0: How can you enjoy a show with a popcorn? let Spencer do trick, cause you're incapable, N-N-M's. Hi, my name's Spencer, a.k.a. Free Thrall This is Keep Off The Borderlands, a podcast about RPGs and stuff And welcome to 2024 Yes, I know you've been here a while already I hope you don't mind, but I'm going to be spending this episode doing a bit of housekeeping, a little tidying up, taking care of a few loose ends. Stop that. Firstly, before we get into any customary calls I have a special announcement to make regarding a new feature. Well, not a new feature exactly, but a feature that's new to this podcast. If you're a listener to Nerds RPG Variety Cast, as I'm sure you are, you'll have heard Jason Connolly's announcement that Movie Monday is moving and has found a new home on Keep Off the Borderlands. Now, Movie Monday is based on an idea first pitched by Goblin's Henchman. We pick a movie a month to watch, and folks call in with their thoughts, reviews, trivia which all gets aired on the last Monday of every month. And then we pick another movie. So far, focusing on fantasy movies of the 80s, and I plan to continue in that vein until it makes sense to change the decade or genre or both. This month's movie is Terry Gilliam's Time Bandits from 1981. As a Gilliam fan, it made sense for me to kick things off over here with that particular movie. It's also a childhood favourite of mine and practically impossible for me to view in any kind of objective manner. So it would be great to hear from other folks who may be not as familiar with it as myself. And there may even be some first timers out there. The Time Bandits episode will be going out on the 29th of January, so the cut-off date will be the 27th. I think that's how it works. And despite wanting to address his work-life podcast balance, it probably won't surprise you to know that Jason has already submitted his review. You can contact me via SpeakPipe at speakpipe.com slash borderlands all one word although you'll only get to do that in 90-second bursts. Alternatively, you can email me an audio clip to spencer3 all at gmail.com. I'm also happy to read out any emails if you'd rather do it that way. You can also contact me via Discord, and you'll find the relevant details on how to do that in the show notes. As I say, The cutoff date is the 27th, so there's plenty of time, and I look forward to hearing your calls. And if you have any thoughts about previous Movie Mondays, I'd be more than happy to hear those too. And on the subject of messages... Hey Spencer, this is Merc. Thanks for the warning. I believe I have looked at the Dungeon Dozen before and bounced off of it, so... um... That's just another little confirmation there, I guess. Um, Also, the monster overhaul, yes, that is great. I mean, that's not something I would suggest reading, you know, picking up and reading cover to cover, but it is really cool. You can actually roll uh, some dice to see, like, what entry to choose. And, you know, if you wanted to just randomly roll every once in a while to read an entry, that works. But um, I don't know if I've ever read a bestiary cover to cover in that way. So, But but still, really cool. Anywho, um, happy holidays, and I will talk to you later. Take care. Merc the Meek there. And yes, in the last episode, I issued a Merc-specific Gonzo content warning. As I am aware, Michael has some reservations regarding such craziness. Thank you for the tip for when using Skirple's Monster Overhaul And when I say I haven't read these books, I'm not talking cover to cover. I mean, I've barely cracked the things open. But thanks for the call and thank you for the season's greetings. I know it's been a little tough for you and your family this year. I hope you're all on the road to recovery. So, there were some glaring omissions from the previous episode regarding the best-looking RPG books I picked up last year, and there's a little bit of a rata. Yochai Gao, creator of Cairn and co-host of the awesome Between Two Cairns podcast, which is, I have to say, it's one of my favourite podcasts, Yochai got in touch to inform me that Peter Mullen is not the illustrator of the new Cairn second edition cover although they'd clearly love to work with them in the future the cover work that I'd mistaken for Mullen was in fact by Bruno Prosecco and if you know their work you might forgive me for making that mistake Bruno's work is fantastic as is the work of Kenny Wijaya and Amanda Lee Frank who are both doing interior art for that new edition, which has got me even more eager to see how that develops. Apologies for any mispronunciation of names there. I'd also like to thank Rich Fraser of Cockatrice Nuggets, whose episode on the best books of 2023 reminded me of some of those glaring omissions from my own episode. An awesome episode from Rich there highlighting some really fantastic stuff. Also, I really enjoyed the subsequent episodes where Rich outlines his preferred play style, which I found a lot to agree with there. Rich is doing some really interesting stuff over on Cockatrice Nuggets right now. And another podcast episode that reminded me of some other great books I picked up was the Weekly Scrolls 2003 year-end Review episode where they look at the systems that came out on top from their reviews this year. Another great podcast, well worth checking out, especially if you're looking for reviews of indie and OSR systems. So, yeah, let me take you through some of those great books that I overlooked. So the first glaring omission is Leo Hunt's Vaults of Varn. This is the deluxe hardback edition written and illustrated by Leo, published by Games Omnivorous. It's based on Knave, inspired by the books of The New Sun by Gene Wolfe, Frank Herbert's Dune and Hyperion by Dan Simmons. I'd so say it was a post-apocalyptic science fantasy setting. I know there's been a lot of talk about what constitutes post-apocalyptic settings over on Nerds RPG Variety Cast. And also M.W. Lewis put out a very interesting episode of The Worlds of M.W. Lewis exploring the meaning of the term apocalypse. For me, I think an important feature of a post-apocalyptic setting is that there has to be some kind of break in continuity that separates the new world from the old. It's not necessarily about adapting to fundamental changes in the environment. I think there really needs to be an element of mystery to what has gone before that can be explored and perhaps will never be fully understood. I think that's... That's certainly key to post-apocalyptic fantasy, at least. Incidentally, the arguably off-kilter 1975 post-apocalyptic movie A Boy and His Dog, starring a very young Don Johnson, is actually set in 2024. But I digress. So what else did I miss out? The Black Sword Hack, Ultimate Chaos Edition, by Kobayashi with some very flavorful art from Goran Gligovic. Almost certainly getting that wrong. Just one of the many glorious books published by the Merry Mushmen. I mean, just looking at the cover, you can tell is very heavily influenced by Moorcox, Elric. In fact, there's an extensive bibliography in the back. Um, I'll just go through the through the authors listed here. Joe Abercrombie, Paul Anderson, Jess Bullington, Michael Chabon, Robert E. Howard, Cameron Hurley, William King, Fritz Lieber, Michael Moorcock, Fred Saberhagen, Jessica Amanda Salmonson, Michael Shearer, Carl Sherrill, Daryl Schweitzer, Jack Vance, Carl Edward Wagner and Gene Wolfe. And I have to say, most of whom's work I haven't read. Most of whom's work? You know what I mean. Next up, now, if John Allen Large of Red Dice Diaries is listening, I will ask you to please cover your ears, John, because the next book is Laurie O'Connell's Hieronymus, which is an RPG and a landscape art book. A series of hex scrolls inspired by and utilising the art Veronimus Bosch. A 2D6 system that sees players traversing Bosch's nightmarish fantasy hellscapes. And this is quite a piece of work. What else have we got? Oh, The Throne of Avarice by Brian Yaksha. A toolkit for creating an exploitative empire of reprehensible rulers, corrupt companies and feuding factions. A beautiful setting book for a not so beautiful setting for best left buried a horror fantasy game that i've still yet to play and then there's a bunch of awesome looking kickstarter stuff that i'm waiting on which i'm not going to get into here santa did come through this year i have to say because i found beneath the tree the dragon bane boxed set and very nice that is too and I've still yet to delve into that properly. And, uh, well, I think that's enough to be getting on with. One other thing was that I finally got around to getting a taste of maltborg First of all, with Castaway, the Desert Island Survival Hack. That, that was a very interesting experience. And um, Barney Barney Dicker of Loco Ludus was also playing in that game. And because it's a survival game, it's very much about looking for resources, setting up shelter, and just getting from one day to the next. Barney made an interesting observation that um, in in his games... He he tends to be a little hand-wavy when it comes to things like resource management because, well, just because of the style of games that he plays is quite improvisational as a GM and, um, you know, likes to make make sure that players, player characters have all opportunities available to them to make the most of whatever situation they find themselves in. But um, he said he really enjoyed the resource management element of this particular game, and I think it was a bit of an eye-opener for him. Yes, yeah, so that was fun, and as I say, it uses the Morkborg system, and it wouldn't be long before I got a taste of some straight-up, unadulterated Morkborg run by Scott Dawood, the first episode of which began with us starting a bar brawl, almost getting ourselves killed, and practically demolishing an entire tavern. That was before we even got a whiff of an adventure. That was great fun. And what I thought was interesting about Merkball as a system is well, I didn't realize that similar to the Black Hack, the players are essentially doing all the rolling rolling to attack and rolling to defend but despite it being quite a light system there're quite a few aspects of combat in particular that took a little getting used to i felt it was a little more fiddly than i was expecting but i'm sure i'm sure i'll get used to that in no time at all but uh yeah very very enjoyable game indeed and and it was nice to just play a really miserable character for a change <laughs> that was quite cathartic um just one other thing if anybody would like an invite to blue sky i've got a few stacked up if you're not familiar with blue sky it's basically musk free twitter and as it's invite only it's a far more pleasant place all round so If you would like an invite, just hit me up on Discord or whatever. Well, that's quite enough from me. Thank you very much for listening. I really appreciate all the messages I receive. If you'd like to contact me you can leave an audio message via speakpipe.com slash keepofftheborderlands or one word or you can email me at spencer.freethrall at gmail.com You can also find me in a variety of other places as detailed in the show notes. If you enjoy the show, a review would certainly be much appreciated. Music for Keep Off The Borderlands is provided by the multi-talented Mr. TJ Drennan. And it just remains for me to say, take it away, TJ.